Hello, and welcome to Asbury Methodist Church's podcast. My name is Forrest Divini. I am the lead pastor here at Asbury. I want to thank you for joining us, and I hope that this episode will enrich your walk with Christ, increase your knowledge of the Bible, and I hope that I can be a little bit entertaining. We are moving on to Paul's letter to the Galatians. Now, this is, um, again, if you're, if you're following along in our Bible reading plan, let me just pull up the schedule here once I find it. Hold on. Um, we will start reading Galatians, actually, uh, on May the 6th, which is the Saturday after I'm recording this. Um but, as I've already covered, 2 Corinthians in both a podcast and a sermon, we're going to go ahead and do the podcast for Galatians, and then next week we'll be into Ephesians, uh, then after that, Philippians. Now, this is we've, we've done sort of the longest of Paul's books now, right? Uh, Romans and the two letters to the Corinthians are, are quite long, involved letters. Um, once you get into Galatians and then Ephesians, I mean, they're, they're, the, the letters are included in the in the New Testament, by the way, in um, order of length, with the longest first and then going through to the shortest. Um, not chronologically. So actually, the, the letter to the Galatians is earlier than... It's written earlier than the letter to the Romans. Um, don't ask me if it's written earlier than the letter to the Corinthians, because I forgot. Uh, Galatia which is the, where the Galatians are from. This is, not, uh, this is not one place. This is actually a region in what we would now call Turkey, what was called during Paul's day Asia. And so this is, this is a region with um, several cities, several churches. And so this is a circular letter, meaning it was intended to be uh, just, you have one copy of it in all likelihood with one person, charged with delivering the letter, and in the ancient world, by the way, the person who delivers the letter also reads the letter out loud to its intended recipients, and, by the way, quite often would interpret the letter, which is a weird thing. We don't do anything remotely like this in the modern world, of course, Um, but nonetheless, that's kind of what the ancient people did. So, um, which means, and I forget which of Paul's letters it was, I want to say it's the letter to the Romans that was um, entrusted to a woman who carried it to Rome, who then read it out loud, and then probably interpreted it, because if you Romans is dense, uh, which means actually the first person to preach on the book of Romans would have been a woman. Um, that's, just, that's just a side note. So you would have had somebody who was responsible for taking this letter into Galatia, the region of Turkey where the Galatians are, and it's kind of like in central Turkey. Um, and then they would have taken it to each of these churches and read it aloud to them, maybe provided some interpretation or additional instruction. And then they would have packed up and moved on to the next church. Maybe after uh, recording a response from the, the people they read to, possibly. So, Paul's letter to the Galatians. This is, I think, Uh, His angriest letter, by far. Uh, You know, most of his letters, he's got... uh, If you you set aside 
Romans and Philippians, most of his letters, he um, he has like specific issues he's dealing with, but he's not like angry with them. He's correcting them in the same way that, um, you know, I as a pastor might have to correct people sometimes and say, well, no, you, you really shouldn't do this, but there's no anger in that, right? Um, but but Paul is angry in this letter, and the, the key is, you know, you'll notice every other letter he writes, um, he... he he has some statement in the beginning of all of his other letters about how um, how much how, how thankful he is for the, for the church he's writing to for their faith and for their sincerity and for their love or or he'll include something about how deeply he loves them or how often he prays for them. But listen listen to how he opens the letter to the Galatians. Paul, an apostle, not from men nor through men, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead, and all the brothers who are with me. To the churches in Galatia, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to deliver us from the present evil age, according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be the glory forever and ever. I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. That's his opening. No, I am thankful for your faith or... or uh, you know, you're, you're such a wonderful example to all the other churches. We brag about you constantly. No, no, no. It's Paul. Then he establishes his credentials, reminds them of the core truths of Christianity, and says, listen here, idiots. What are you doing? It's like a slap in the face. You wanted, if you wanted to summarize this in modern language, you could... You, you know, Paul, an apostle to the churches in Galatia. Greetings, you sons of... Well, I won't finish the thought there. Um, Paul is really upset with these people. So we have to wonder why. Luckily, we know the answer. There are... And, and this, by the way, uh, what we're about to talk about, this is... And we've said this before, but it is a... An, an almost universal issue within the early church of Paul's day. Um, which is namely that there, there are sort of two factions developing within the church. There are, um, and, and it's not just like a clean divide between Jewish Christians and Gentile Christians. It is uh, what we call the Judaizers, Versus the rest of Christians. Now, the Judaizers are the ones who want to essentially get all the people who believe in Jesus to follow the laws of the Torah, to Judaize this new faith. Now, that's that's a, a very modern way of describing it because uh, what Paul would say is that, no, no, this is now actually the proper way to be Jewish. Um, that's, that, that's 100% how Paul understood his, his newfound faith in Jesus, that this is now what it means to be a good and faithful Jew, is to follow Jesus. Um, but anyway, there, there, are, there are those who are going through the churches, and in particular the Gentile churches that Paul has planted, and they're coming back and they're saying, listen, you've got to get circumcised. And you've got to start following these dietary laws, and you've got to start doing all this. And Paul, Paul is, uh, in, in most places, the people have like either... They've either sent a question to Paul and saying, hey, is this legit? Do we need to do this? Um, or they've just flat out refused to do it. 
But evidently, the people, the Galatians have said, yeah, okay. Which kind of raises a lot of questions for me because I, I don't, you know, um, just trying to put myself in their shoes. If, if I had come been, you know, heard this gospel, right, uh, of this you know, Jesus who died and rose again and promises me everlasting life with him, right, that death is no longer a thing, we'll be raised back to new life. We have the resurrection hope now. Um, and, and you don't have to do, you know, all you really have to do is believe in Jesus and, and then try and clean up your act, right? You know, let, let, and, and he'll help you. He'll help you. The Holy Spirit that Jesus sends will help you to live a holy, righteous life. It's great. That's all you need. Perfect. I'm sold. And then someone comes along and says, yeah, actually, uh, forget all that. One, you have to stop eating bacon. And two, we've got to circumcise you. I'm not going for it. <laughs> I, I mean, it's amazing, right? That's a, I mean, that is a tough sell. They had, they must have been just some really, really convincing. I mean, these, these, these guys would have made just the ultimate used car salesman, right? I mean, you can convince a bunch of adult people to give up bacon and let you cut up on their private parts. Um, <laughs> uh, I'm probably getting a little too graphic now. But <laughs> in any case, that's what's going on. And so Paul is, Paul, the, the, the word of this has reached Paul's ears. And now he's writing to the Galatians. And what he effectively says right off the bat is, look, if you're going to listen to these people, you are rejecting the gospel of Jesus. That's a big deal. Now, again, I'm going to try because I'm preaching on this book on, on Sunday. Um, I, I'm going to try not to, like, double dip here into what I've got in my sermon notes, but that's going to be hard. Um, because one of the, of course, the, the whole point of circumcision, right, is that this is the sign of the covenant that God made with Israel. Well, Paul will say, that's no longer true. If you want to understand Galatians, you got to understand that one of the core things that Paul is saying is, look, anytime you try and go back to the law, and this came out in Romans as well, by the way, in much more detail, but it's hinted at here in Galatians, which is an earlier letter. Well, anytime you try and go back to the law, you are, it's, it's as if you're saying that, that Jesus' work on the cross and in the resurrection was not effective. That it didn't accomplish what Jesus set out to do. That he didn't actually establish a new covenant. You're slapping Jesus in the face. Now this is, this is something that, you know, and, and, and Pablo references here in chapter 2 and in chapter 3. And, and it's referenced in the book of Acts, too. Uh, the Jerusalem Council. When uh, Paul, who was the apostle to the Gentiles, comes to Jerusalem and he's talking to the 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 highest leadership in the church at the time, which was which the twelve apostles. I mean, Peter, James, and John, and the others. Uh, and and he says, essentially, listen, I've been preaching to the Gentiles. Here's how I have understood the message that Jesus wants me to give to the Gentiles. And I, and, and I don't think that they need to be circumcised. I don't think they need to follow our kosher, our, our dietary laws, or any of that stuff, because it seems to me that Jesus has nicked has made all that redundant. And the Jerusalem Council, which is composed entirely of very 
faithful Jews. They all essentially say, yeah, that's true. Good job puzzling that out. Um, they, 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 the only thing, the only, well, there's two things. There's, only, there's two things that they say people have to actually refrain from. One is sexual immorality. Um, again, it's one of those things that, that never changes in the Bible. The line on that is firm. Uh, we've kind of, we've talked about that enough. Um, and I don't have, I don't have that chapter of Acts open right now. Um, I should, so I can tell you what the other thing is and be sure that I'm not actually misquoting it. Um, so they tell them, you know, that, okay, that this is fine. They don't need to follow all these rules, but they do need to know not to behave in ways that are contrary to God's morals. Sorry, I'm going to... Here we go. Um, right. So here it is. It's in Acts chapter 15. Right. So the, the only things they tell them is to abstain from what has been sacrificed to idols, from blood and from what has been strangled, and from sexual immorality. Um... So there's a command there not to eat meat that's been sacrificed to idols, which Paul will kind of echo in uh, some of his other books, but he'll also kind of contradict it. And he'll say, you know, really, you don't need to worry about that. Uh, and then from sexual immorality. But all the other stuff, don't need to worry about it. Now, what this is, is this is early Christians still kind of trying to sort out how we live under this new covenant. If the law is redundant, how do we... How do we live according to the Spirit. And if you want to know the full answer to that, um, you're going to have to come to church on Sunday or watch my sermon online. Sorry, I'm not going to give away my secrets that quickly. Um, but I want to, you know, there's, there's a lot of good stuff here in Galatians, but again, the central conflict here is is that Paul is trying to explain to people that, that um, the old ethnic divisions that Judaism insisted on no longer apply. Which is why, after he explains that he's been that his message has been approved by the Jerusalem Council, he says this in chapter two. But when Cephas, who's Peter, uh, came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face because he stood condemned. For before certain men came from James, he was eating with the Gentiles. But when they came, he drew back and separated himself, fearing the circumcision party. And the rest of the Jews acted hypocritically along with him, so that. Even Barnabas was led astray by their hypocrisy. But when I saw that their conduct was not in step with the truth of the gospel, I said to Cephas before them all, If you, though a Jew, live like a Gentile and not like a Jew, how can you force the Gentiles to live like Jews? So Peter is visiting the church in Antioch. Um, he's doing exactly what he should be doing, and he's eating at the same table with everybody, whether they're Jew or Gentile, until... Someone comes, some, some people from Jerusalem come, and they might take a report back to what Paul calls the circumcision party that, that he, Peter's eating with the Gentiles. Which, if you're a faithful Jew, 
is a big no-no, way off limits. And so Peter changes his tune, and now he'll only eat at a table with other ethnic Jews. And Paul calls him out publicly for it. He says, whoa, 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 whoa. You're not following any of the other laws. You're not eating kosher. You're, you're not practicing the purity laws. What are you doing? This is important for Paul. Because Paul is convinced that God has opened up the family of God, the family of Abraham, to anyone who puts faith in Jesus. That we are all now part of that covenant family. See, Paul traces, when Paul talks about God's righteousness and God's faithfulness, he is referring he is referring all the way back to the covenant God made with Abraham. The, the idea that God has called Abraham and his descendants, and through Abraham and his descendants, God will save the world. Now Paul sees Jesus, one of Abraham's descendants, is the source of our salvation. And anyone who puts their faith in Jesus is adopted into Abraham's family, which means the only marker then of the covenant people is faith in Jesus. It's no longer circumcision. It's no longer dietary laws. We no longer have to divide ourselves along ethnic lines. God has opened up the family to all believers, and now anyone can be part of Abraham's family and we are therefore called, as part of Abraham's family, to be God's agents in the world. This is, um, this is the central message that, that Paul is trying to get out. That, it, that you know, we are no longer divided along Jew and Gentile lines. Everyone, regardless of ethnicity, regardless of their heritage, everyone can be part of the family of Abraham, part of the children of God, part of the elect. <clears throat> and you'll remember that being part of the elect means that you are part of God's chosen people who have been called for God's purposes. So that's what he's doing all throughout Galatians. He's pushing back and explaining why you don't need to be circumcised. You don't need to follow the dietary laws. You don't need to worry about any of this. All you need to do is have faith in Jesus and invite the Holy Spirit to guide you. That's it. That's all you need to do. That is Paul's letter to the Galatians. We'll elaborate some more. We'll go into a bit more depth in my sermon on Sunday. And we'll be back next week with a podcast on Ephesians. Until then, God bless.